0: Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to a director of a fast-growing Cheshire-based company supporting businesses across the UK. Our guest today has been in business over 20 years and is now heading up a software development company. And on Business Brunch today we're pleased to welcome Jez Touch of Rare Earth Digital Limited. Jez, thanks for agreeing to a telephone interview today.
1: Uh, good morning, Des. Um Good to talk to you.
0: Jez, you've started and developed two businesses over the last 20 years. But before we discuss your current success, tell us about life before self-employment and why you decided to start your own business. Uh,
1: before self-employment. Yeah, that was quite a long time ago. Um, hard to remember, to be honest. Um, no, I was. Uh, I used to be um, a developer in uh, um, in, a, in a business that had been had been the railways. So after privatisation of the railways in in the nineties, uh, I was working as a developer, and that's where I, I sort of learned all my uh, um, uh, technical skills. Um, but whilst doing that, I've always I've always wanted to have a little bit more control over over what I do with my with my life and day to day. I've always enjoyed sort of variability, variety, flexibility in, in working life, um, and that really comes with um, uh, with uh, self employment, running your own business, and uh, being uh, uh, being able to take control.
0: When you were working in um, with other colleagues in employment, uh, did you find that that they were going off into to start their own businesses, or was this just something that you decided individually?
1: I think. Each person does, does what is suitable for themselves. It's something that I I'd always wanted to do. It's not for everybody, um, but if it is a thing for you, then I, I think it, think it's unavoidable. My, my, my final role at, at, in that company was as the lead developer for, um, for RailTrack as was uh, for, for their intranet. Um, and in working in projects like that, you take on more responsibility. You get a lot more contact with the clients and you, you just develop confidence in, in your own ability and skills. And that leads on quite nicely into um, into starting, starting my own business and um, having that that communication with my own clients instead of somebody else's.
0: And what would you say your skill set was when you when you first took the the initial steps into self employment?
1: Uh, back then, it was really the, the technical ability to be able to, to deliver on what, the, uh, on, on what the business needed. I, I didn't start my, the first company on my own. It was with, with, with a group of um, a small number of other, of, of other business partners, and we each had our own kind of skills and specialities. Mine was, it was putting together, the, well, back then, the website um, and, and all the tools, et cetera, to support it.
0: Were you ever dragged out of your uh, comfort zone to, say, get involved in sales or do something quite different?
1: Uh, to some extent, yeah, because in a in a small business, uh, you know, if you're in charge of a small business, you have to do everything because because it all has to be done. The uh, biggest step probably was was getting the business to the point where you had the confidence to to, to have your notice in at the uh, at your employment and uh, and go fully self-employed because then your whole financial um, uh, security depends upon depends um, depends upon the efforts of, uh, that you put in and, and of the company. So that that was quite a quite a big step.
0: Okay, moving on, Jez, um, your, your first attempt in business uh, failed through no fault of your own because of the, the crash in 2008. So tell us about the business uh, and how you dealt with the fallout of, a, of, of the business failing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I think failing is quite a strong word. As you, as you say, it was a result of the, uh, of the credit crunch in 2008. That business was uh, a property investment business um, starting initially, uh, providing and selling information to property investors on on how they can run their own businesses. um, And moving on from that to actually um, getting involved in doing property deals on the whole across the emerging markets um, back in the early 2000s across Eastern Europe. Um, and we had some, we had a, a chain of very successful deals um, with um, a lot of um, UK investors in, in investing um, their money um, across Europe in some in some really good markets. But then, yeah, 2008 came along. There was a credit crunch, which I think we're all aware of. And, uh, the business kept on going reasonably well for a period of time because um, the UK investors uh, were selling their overseas properties in order to shore up um, their UK investments. So we went through a process of, of being involved and supporting them in making those sales. Um, but, of course, that's a, that has, has a, a limited um, lifetime. Um, and at the end of it, it just became clear that with the we, we downsized the, the business quite a lot, um, moved to smaller offices, um, had fewer staff. Um, and it reached a, reached a stage where um, uh, it, no longer, it, it was just no longer viable. Um, and we had to call in the administrators and, and close it down. and and that for for anybody who's who's experienced it it's uh, intellectually it's quite an interesting process to go through Uh, but emotionally it's also quite tough because these people that you work with um, over many years um, and you know become friends with you have to let them go they lose their jobs all that sort of thing so we supported the business right to the very end Um, the assets were sold um, such that all the staff were paid off you know with um, with their redundancies as as they would expect so a relatively soft landing but from, but from my point of view and for, and for the other directors, it's, a, it's quite a tough thing to go through.
0: And, and obviously, you rely to a greater degree on your income to, to keep your personal circumstances going. And just how you, all, how you coped with the whole situation.
1: Well, absolutely, it, it, it was difficult. Um, yes, uh, all of that, I am married, uh, but we don't, we don't have children. Um, but having said that, we do have a mortgage and bills to pay like, uh, like everyone else. The reality was that you know we stayed with the business until uh, until the very end um uh, but then moved um almost immediately into freelancing you know the skills that we had that I had from that business um translated reasonably well into doing some freelance work we picked up one or two clients off the back of the business um in fact um I ended up supporting uh, technically supporting um the website after it'd been sold for some time because um, the people who bought it um didn't have the knowledge to do so and that was enough to, uh, to, to keep us going as, we, as the uh, freelancing sort of business gradually grew.
0: I think we're quite resilient, aren't we, as human beings and, um, <laughs> and creative in the way we move forward. So you clearly dealt with the situation. Today we're talking to Jess Touch, a director with Rare Earth Digital Limited. Uh, Jez, your, your current business is named after semi-precious metals and I'm sure you'll tell us why, but more importantly, what is the core business uh, and what have you done differently following uh, the collapse of, of your first business because of the crash in
1: 2008? Uh, yeah, sure. So Rare is a software development company. Um, we build custom software for other companies and organisations who, who just don't have the skills in-house Um, and who value the opportunities that come with having complete control over their their own software systems uh, because they're so crucial to the way that their business is run. So the the sorts of things we build um, will be, well, most familiar for most people be be websites and mobile apps for their phones, but for for companies we also do uh, CRMs, inventory systems, workflow portals, um, and various integrations with third-party systems and moving data, you know, to, to and from, you know, the company's systems in, in, uh, in, into, into other companies with third-party databases. So, um, typically, our larger clients rely heavily on the systems that we build for them, to the extent that very often their businesses just couldn't operate without them. And they really regard the, the money that they spend on, their, on, on software as an investment and rather than just a cost. And, and as a result, can can often get they can often get tax breaks or grants um, to, to support that um, because uh, often software development often falls into um, into R and D, which is uh, um, which is something you can get get a tax break for.
0: When you talk about building, you're literally doing that from scratch, aren't you? So it's a, it's like a tailor-made suit. Talk us through how difficult it is to to get that right.
1: It really depends upon the client. Um, so, yes, you're right. It is it is a bit, little bit, bit like building a, tailor, a tailor-made suit. Um, we start by speaking to the client. We really need to understand what it is they're trying to achieve, um, what their problems are, and and then working with them to, to understand what the solution will be. Then we design that solution um, in terms of we will design how the data is stored in the database, we'll des- design how the data moves between one database and another, if that's applicable, and we'll design the interfaces that... Um, that allow the company to interact with the data, you know, generating reports off the back of it or being able to enter data into it or whatever it might be for for their particular business. Each business is different, so um, that's why we need to to, to have those kind of in-depth conversations with the client to understand exactly what that problem is they're trying to solve.
0: And you're turning a client's perceptions into reality, does that cause a problem sometimes in in your interpretation of, of a client's perceptions?
1: It, it can do. Um, we try really hard to um, to set those expectations at the start so that um, using you know graphic design and wireframes and, and these sorts of tools just to make sure that there's a shared understanding between us and the client in terms of what what is going to be delivered at the end. what we don't want to do is have any any surprises at the end Really, they they should know from the start what what to expect and then we should deliver um, exactly that
0: and did you actually purposely put in place anything different in regard to the way the model of the business uh, because of the the problems you had previously with the uh, property website
1: yes we have my my focus at the previous company was always on the the IT and the technology um, and um uh, so by building growth Digital as a software company, we're really focused on the things that, that, that we're good at and that we're interested in. And the other thing that we do, we actively try and do, is that we don't focus, we don't concentrate on any particular sector of, of business. So that we actually, we're, we're involved a, a, across different businesses. What we're really interested in is businesses who, as I said, value that that custom software. So it's not so important what it is that they do, but it's important their attitude to the business um and that's actually that's actually paid dividends um with the current pandemic because while some clients obviously suffered like many businesses have you know with downturn in uh, in in sales etc other businesses have actually continued to thrive through it and so that's the same for us as well we've got enough clients who who are doing well at the moment and to mean that, that we are also safe and secure um even though we have lost some clients uh, to uh, to covid
0: Uh, And you've mentioned uh, COVID uh, that has completely changed the face of business across the world. And many businesses uh, have created a distributed workforce. So share with us uh, how you've coordinated workflow with all your staff working from home and and how you've continued to develop staff loyalty.
1: Well, uh, staff loyalty is is actually uh, relatively straightforward for us. Um, Many developers... Uh, have coding as their hobby as, as, as well as their job which means that they they do it all day and then they go home and they do it in the evening as well so they're really interested in it so um uh, motivation is really just about um, giving them interesting projects to do so that they can that they can really enjoy it um and they really do enjoy it we've we have we've had multiple occasions where they uh, they, they forget to have lunch or even forget to go home again at the end of the day You can't, <laughs> you can't really get, get more loyalty than that but in terms of in terms of the distributed workforce um we've always had one or two developers that work have worked from home because because geography just demands it um so we've got some experience of doing it it has made things more difficult um, of course it has uh, having the whole team working from home we have we have regular twice daily um zoom calls with the whole uh, with the whole team where everyone can catch up um, see each other's faces um, that sort of thing have, have a chat and also um, discuss what they've been doing and what they're going to be doing any problems that they're having um, those sorts of things just to try and keep everyone in touch
0: and, and if you're bringing new staff on board induction will be interesting isn't it do, do, do you do a virtual walk around the office or
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we do exactly that we do exactly that and i'm doing that again actually we've got a new staff that's starting tomorrow so tomorrow i'll be walking around on my own in the office with my laptop showing him around um no it, it is it is true that um that onboarding people during uh, during lockdown uh, does make things a lot more difficult. It's just you know it's just it's it's harder to to introduce people to, to everything. It's harder to have the conversations to describe what the company is like and um, and harder to build the relationships with, between people when you can't you know can't see them face to face. But we've done it a few times now. This is um, our new starter this week is the third uh, new developer we've had in inside about three months. So um, we are getting the hang of it now.
0: This is a podcast from The Cat. Today's guest is Jez Touch, a director with Rare Earth Digital. Jez, uh, give us an insight into how Rare Earth Digital has developed since day one and how you reach out to new customers.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, on on day one was the day we had to think of the name. Um, It's a question that you did ask uh, earlier, which I I, I didn't cover, but it, it it is actually relevant. So people often do ask where the name comes from, and the the short answer is science, because after all, who doesn't love science? And the reason is that um, there are certain rare earth elements, I'm sure everyone's familiar with them, things like scandium, yttrium, terbium, dysprosium, these sorts of things, um, and they occupy certain parts of the periodic table. The problem is that no one can spell them, so you can't have a a URL um, called uh, scandium.com because you spend your whole life um, spelling it out to people. Um, but all these, all these elements fall into the broader description of rare earth elements. Um, we really like the name. Um, and it's particularly appropriate for what we do because these elements, they're, they're a crucial part of many of today's essential items, particularly mobile phones. This is, these are the products that we're obviously all so familiar with nowadays. Um, you can't see these elements, you can't touch them. Most people don't even know that they're there. Um, but the phone wouldn't work without them. Um, and that's how we saw ourselves. Um, we write the software that sits in the background. Most people don't understand what it does, how it works, etc. But all these systems for the businesses that we work with, they just wouldn't work without it. Um, so that's, that's why we changed the name. In terms of um, how we've we develop, developed over the last years, last year we've we've grown relatively relatively slowly. Our um, our client base, our model essentially is that we don't have a great deal of of clients in terms of numbers, we tend to have a relatively small number of clients, but develop um, uh, substantial and long-term relationships with them. So we have grown re- reasonably so um, slowly, but consistently and steadily. And we've seen the benefits of that, as I mentioned earlier, by by crossing uh, multiple sectors of, of the of, of the business world and also many different types of companies. It's meant that we are, you know, we have a, a strong and a stable base, um, which, is, which is supporting us now.
0: So after you've built a website, um, which presumably can take weeks, maybe months, uh, because you're building it from scratch, does the customer then buy into a level of support
1: It entirely depends on the customer. Um, If we, with a website, um, if we're hosting the website, um, a website has to be hosted somewhere, someone has to do it. If we're doing that, then we do provide ongoing support as part of the package, uh, which can be really useful for for some clients because they don't need to know the details of how the website works. If they want to update it um, and they have a problem, they just want to be able to ask the question. But with, with larger systems where we've done a lot more kind of development, it's, it's a system that might be running an inventory system or workflow or CRM, those sorts of things. They they almost, these types of systems are almost never finished. Um, as businesses grow, um, uh, the, the business leaders tend to have new ideas about um, how they want the, the system to grow with them. So we continue to provide um, maintenance and support to keep the existing system going but also ongoing development just to improve it and add new features um, um, to, to support whatever it is, the, whatever direction the business is going in.
0: And, and because you built it from scratch, presumably when you bolt something new on it, it's not such a, uh, a difficult job.
1: It can be difficult, but it does mean that we have complete flexibility. Um, if you buy a system off the shelf, you're always constrained by what it is that that system does, which may not be a problem if that's how you run, choose to run your business. But if you're the sort of... Um, business that, that, that really values the flexibility and would like to be able to, you know, do anything, and often do it quite quickly, then that's where we're able to step in and provide that flexible control.
0: So as, as a software developer, I, I would expect you to be bang up to date with the Rolls-Royce of new technology, but that's not always the case. So tell us how you maximise the benefits of using modern technology and why it's not always possible to buy brand new products.
1: Um, well, we, we always try and be up to date in terms of being aware of the new te- technology that that comes out and is on the marketplace. Um, it's it's good it's good for us it's good for the business to be aware of it. Um, and the developers, frankly, because they're interested in the subject, um, are always aware of what's going on. But it's also really important that the systems that we we deliver to our customers are are reliable um, and. Uh, if you go with the uh, with the, the very bleeding edge of, of of new developments um very often you find that they can be a little bit fragile so that's why we tend not to we tend not to use them immediately we like to wait until they've been out in in the wild as it were for a little bit of time and and the teething problems have been have been worked out um and then if it's appropriate we will um we will um adopt them and start using them um it's 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 important that that the clients get a a, a solution that is appropriate to them so that might be um, uh, in terms of um, not not just the features that that are delivered but also things like um, performance and security and scalability um, and budget as well Um, and um, adopting something that is absolutely brand new means there's a learning curve for everyone involved as well as the risks of you know it being a little bit fragile um, and to, to, for some clients you know, investing additional money in order to do that is not necessarily the best solution the best solution might be something that is, is, that is already established that can be done relatively easily.
0: On today's show we're talking to Jez Touch a director with Rare Earth Digital Limited. Jez you have a very close relationship with another business that shares your offices so tell us how this works and uh, how you sell these joint services to your customers
1: yeah sure. yeah we uh, we share the office space with a company called um JG Creative Communications, who are a, a brand uh, design and communication specialist. um so we each we each have our own offices in in the building, but we share uh, meeting space and uh, and various facilities. And the reason that it works works really well together is that we uh, both companies are specialists in in their own field. Um, so we are really good at software development. Um, but not very good at, at graphic design, um, and the reverse is true for them. Um, and the reason it works really well is that when when clients work with both of us, they get specialists in in, in both areas. Um, in In terms of in terms of working with the clients, it would it really depends upon upon project. Typically, a project will be led by the graphic design, like a website might well be fall into that category where the really important thing is, is what it looks like and what the, what the communication in it is like. And projects like that will be led by uh, JG Creative um, with us supporting them. On the other hand, um, a CRM system or a mobile app you know, is, is pretty technical and it's, it's led from, from that side. So we would tend to lead a project like that and call on them for support in order to make, to, to provide the designs to um, you know, for the to user interfaces, that sort of thing.
0: So, under normal circumstances, you'd be having face-to-face meetings. Would that be with both companies?
1: Uh, it can be it's not always, but it, it can be. It re- as I said, it really depends upon the um, uh, upon the client and, and the project. but in, in in most cases, most cases, most clients know know both companies.
0: Are they know them beforehand, or do you do you set that up with the uh, with the client first?
1: Again, again, it's both really. I mean, if, if it's a client of ours that, that needs some, some graphic design, we would, we would typically introduce JG Creative and allow them to then talk directly. Uh, and, and vice versa. They, have, um, they specialize in, in, in the not-for-profit sector, so work with a lot, lot of charities. And um, whilst they're doing a charity website, they might call one of us in to support them just to, just to prove that we can, we can deliver the, the, the technical requirements of it as well as the, as well as the graphic design communications.
0: Clearly, working well for you. Would you recommend that to other companies?
1: Yes, uh, it, it does work. It does work really well for us. I think I think it would work well probably for other companies. Depends upon the relationships between the people. Really, you have to you have to you know uh, um, really trust and be able to work very closely with these people because if, if, you know if, if we do a bad job on for one of their clients, um, they're the ones who's, who's going to the client is going to complain to. So you have you have to have a lot of a lot of trust between companies. But for for small organisations like us, it it doesn't allow us to offer a a broader range of services because we have this additional specialism.
0: Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Even uh, with all the uncertainty, Jez, created by coronavirus, you still need to know where the business is heading. So share with us what the future holds for Rare Earth Digital.
1: Well, in the short term, um, I'd just really like to i just really like to get the team back together again. I'd like people to be in the office, be able to bounce ideas off one, one another and really sort of benefit from that environment. Um, I'd like to meet some of the staff. We've had these new starters in the last couple of months. I haven't even met them yet other than on Zoom. Um, I think that would be really good. But uh, commercially, we, we are certainly hoping to grow over the next year, year or two. Um, historically, we've not really been particularly strong at marketing because our, our strength is in software development. But we are now working with a specialist marketing um, agency called um, Evolve Together, uh, who are helping us develop our marketing and, and uh, look for new clients. That we haven't been able to do very much um, over, the last, over the last year or so, because, because obviously the pandemic has, has really affected business. But as this year progresses and we're hoping, like everyone, that, that we get back to something resembling normality, we'll be able to move forward and to um, expand our portfolio.
0: And uh, presumably that would involve rewriting the business plan will it, or are you still trying to adhere to what you've got already?
1: Uh, well, we've just written a new business plan in the last month, so um, hopefully not rewriting that again in the next in the next few weeks. But uh, but yeah, that that, that does show um, just growth in terms of just as I said, we don't have a very large number of of clients. We're not we're not that type of business. Um, what we're looking for is businesses who value. Um, the investment in, um, uh, in, in custom software um, and with whom we can develop those long-term relationships.
0: Jez, uh, we're, we're sure that based on what you've told us that, that the future uh, should be absolutely fine for you as, as, we, as we move out of lockdown. So if any of our listeners would like to talk to you a little bit more about what you can do for them, share with us uh, how they can contact you.
1: The easiest way of contacting us is, is through the website, um, which is uh, rareearthdigital.com. Jez, thanks
0: very much for coming on The Cat today.
1: Thank you, Jez. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com
0: for more podcasts and more ways to listen.